0: Carrie and we are paranormal chicks. Episode 143. All right, I want you and everyone listening to picture it. It's Friday night. You have a guy over. Y'all cooking dinner. Everything's sweet. Y'all are in bed, and um, your dog is like pacing because it's quiet. And you know we are high energy people. Me and Marley, uh, so we need something going on in the background. So I'm like, oh, let's just put on some Netflix. So she can quiet down, so I can stop worrying about my my dog. I turn on Netflix, and boy is being sweet. And I go, "Oh my god!" Because Selena is on, and uh, talk about a mood ruiner. Because I was like, "Hold on, is this a series?" Like I totally forgot. Oh my uh-huh. god! Mm-hmm. He was like, "Uh, I don't know." She was before my time. I was like. You haven't watched the movie? How old is he? He's our age. She wasn't before his time. I know. I know. I mean, I will say, I did not know of Selena before the movie Selena, but still. That's not before our time. That's like saying, Newbie Kids on the Block is before our time. Right. But I was like, wait, 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 wait. who who plays her? What's going on? (laughs) Like, I, like, fangirled over this, and he was like, what? And I was like, okay. Then I was like, mm, let's just play on Dawson's Creek because, you know, still watching that. And at one point I'm like, wait, hold on. Who is this? <laughs> so clearly you were feeling him. I mean, I was feeling him, but uh, not in the good way. Not in the emotion way. I mean, not at all. He was very sweet and it was, it was nice. Not as nice as fucking Selena. No, it was not as nice as seeing that Selena was out. Like, legit, I was like, leaned back again, trying to still be in the mood, but like, you know. No, leaned up and was like, wait. Like, put my arm down. Like, hold on. I got to give him a good eye on it. What's going on? Damn, girl. Mm Mm-hmm. That's bad. I know. Like, that's bad. And, um... This is like page 542, why I'm single. That's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't end up ruining the mood because, you know. And you know what? I haven't even watched it yet. Because then I was like, I haven't had time to like sit down and like, because I really want to watch it. Mm -hmm. And so again, Dawson's Creek, I can have on in the background or whatever. Yeah, you want to
1: be able to like focus.
0: Yes, because obviously it is very important to me. But also, Virgin River Season 2 came out, and so I had that going. So, yes. I mean, priorities. I mean, <laughs> hmm. You know who would keep my attention more so? More than Selena? Yeah. Patrioters! That's right. You mean like Brittany D. from Florida? Mm-hmm. Linda W. from Mississippi.
1: Samantha L. from Washington. Jill F. from Ohio Emily G.
0: from Iowa. Jenny D. from Virginia. Tracy or Trey F. from Colorado. And Jennifer S. from Mississippi. Thank y'all so much for
1: freaking joining Patreon. We really appreciate your support. Um, And we know that some of y'all joined in October, right in time for the 31 nights of Halloween. So we hope that y'all got all of that extra content. And we hope that y'all freaking loved it. So head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast and... See what all the hubba-lub's about.
0: Yeah, hubba-lub. I thought it was hubbub. Hubbub? lub Hubbub. Hubbub, hubbub. And I mean y'all should be honored, because you know anything for Salinas. It, what, isn't that how it goes? Mm-hmm. It's on bra. <laughs> it's on bustier. Oh, I hope they have that in that uh thing. All I know
1: is that whoever plays course i can't fucking think of her name right now i should know this the killer <laughs> <laughs> this is this is why i like i literally have the worst memory like i could tell you what one of my patients did three weeks ago in therapy but i can't tell you that and i can't tell you what i just had for dinner but whoever plays i can t-
0: tell you what uh, you had for dinner an avocado with a fucking
1: a sticker on it. On it. That motherfucker <laughs> did have a sticker. Look, y'all, we just got dinner from somewhere. That's right. It was a chicken sandwich, and it had an avocado slice on it. And the avocado still had the fucking sticker on it, <laughs> like the slice. Yes.
0: How the fuck? <laughs> oh god, I was like real fresh, real authentic, right there. Oh, sorry. When you said what you had for dinner, oh, I will never forget that. When you're like, oh, uh, what? <laughs> well, anyway,
1: whoever plays the killer, Yolanda, yes, Saldivar, yeah. Whoever plays Yolanda, just get ready. You are gonna be one of the most hated women in America because that bitch that played her in the movie. Oh my god! Everything from here on out, she's a bitch and a hater.
0: I do too. And I don't know if they're gonna find someone who is as good. I know as that actress was because. I know. Who, just to make this you know the most rando long intro ever. Another person who's like that is the guy who played Wild Bill or whatever from mm-hmm. the Green, Green Mile. Mile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he like won an Oscar lately for some for something with uh the girl from How to Get Away with Murder, I think Viola Davis. Yeah. Wherever, but I was like, I hate Sam Sam Rockford or something like that is his name. I can't stand him. Even like just him there, I was like, he killed them with their love. I know. Like I hate him. He did such a good job. Such a good job. Like literally hit like, oh my god! And like he was so disgusting when he was in the jail Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like, oh, like, I am mad right now. I know exactly what you mean. Oh, anyway, do, do y'all have people like that? Well, I'm about to tell you about one. Oh, Lord. Insert an ad for blood pressure medicine because I'm going to need it. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So, Valerie Kay from Texas,
1: one of the listeners, she sent me this story, like, just a couple of days ago. And the case sounded so familiar. And I'm talking so familiar, I even went back through... Like the podcast to see, no, I think I've done this. Maybe it was a bonus episode on Patreon because I couldn't find it on one of our main episodes, but I could not find it. So I guess I never did it. So here we are. It's such a good story when you're a true crime fan, but which also of course means it's such a horrific story. So we're going to talk about the Saeed family. So let's start with Yasser Saeed. He's the patriarch of the family. Yasser was born in Egypt and came over to the United States in 1983 on a student visa. He was 30 years old at the time, and he was working at a convenience store while he was here. And that's when he met his future wife. Her name was Patricia, and she went by Tissy. Here's the thing. Tissy was 14 years old. What? Uh Uh-huh. And... Tissy had actually just ended a relationship like with his cousin, who was basically his age. Long story short, there's this documentary that I watched on YouTube. I think it's on Amazon Prime. I'll tell you the name and all of it later because I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. Basically, I think I'm gonna just call her Patricia the whole time because it's easier, but Patricia's family was rather poor and they believed that Yasser's family was wealthy. And so it was like they were trying to marry her off to someone in that family for money. And so it didn't work out with the cousin. And so she met Yasser at the convenience store where he was working. They convinced her parents to let them get married. So they signed the necessary paperwork. And I think it was only like a week later they got married.
0: They didn't have to wait 90 days.
1: Here's the thing, too. Right after that is when he applied for residency in the United States. Mm. But see, here's the thing, is that he didn't have money. It appeared that he did, but he really didn't.
0: You know, that's how it usually works out, is when you put all your eggs in one basket of, okay, I'm going to do this dastardly thing to try to get money somehow, whatever, whatever, The person that you're counting on to have the money or whatever, it's not what it seems. Like Joe Exotic with that guy, he thought, oh, he's got everything. But it was like the car was leased. The house was rented. You know, like he didn't have any of that money that he thought he did.
1: And from what I read in some of the articles, he even told her family that he owned land in Egypt that he didn't own.
0: Of course, because how are they
1: going to check? Well, and he, and the thing too is he agreed to have the wedding in a Christian church. And so they were like, oh, okay, 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 okay. Some of her family said that, yes, like I said, his visa was about to expire and that they had only known each other for a week and that it was right after that that he did, in fact, apply for permanent residency. And so they were just a little like, And that after the wedding, a lot of men from his side, like, approached some of the American women and asked them, like, do you want to get married to me? Oh, shit. Yes. We're in small town Texas in, like, 1987. And so you have two very different cultures coming together in this small town town southern baptist church for a wedding like can you just can just can you just picture this for a minute like can you even just imagine
0: i'm picturing like family feud how it's usually two polar opposite yeah thing you know like families
1: i mean you have a family over here that's muslim from egypt you know on the groom side and then on the bride side you have texan southern baptist you know Just polar opposites. But also the same. Patricia got pregnant almost immediately. Well, yeah, because she's fucking young. You know, like, Mm -hmm. golly. And by the time she was 16, she had their first child, Islam. Islam's a, a son. And then one year after Islam was born, they had their first daughter, Amina. And then a year after that, they had their second daughter, Sarah. So basically, by the time she was 18, she had three kids under the age of five. At this time, Yasser worked as a cab driver, and Patricia would pick up jobs, just kind of minimum wage jobs, and she was forced to comply to his demands. It wasn't long after they got married that he kind of flipped the script, and she realized what Marriage was truly going to be like to him. What Yasser said went. So he controlled everything. He controlled the finances. He controlled, I mean, this is much like our story last week, where I talked about with the family how the wife kind of had to raise the family on a basically a stipend, you know, kind of the same thing. He controlled everything. Even though Yasser wasn't very religious, they did follow some. Muslim practices like they didn't eat pork they didn't follow like halal meat but they they did some practices again like they didn't have they didn't eat pork they would fast on Muslim holidays and she started dressing more modestly and not wearing makeup and that kind of thing Patricia would have to have Yasser's permission to go out with her friends and to go see her family It was to the point where there was a pecking order in the family. Yasser came first. Islam came second, the son. Patricia came third. And then the daughters, Amin and Sarah, came last.
0: Wow. Okay. Toxic masculinity.
1: Interviews with Patricia's sister, she says that Islam was a total hellion growing up, that he would cuss you out and that he would ignore everything that his mom told him to do. He would call her by her first name and ignore any attempts at discipline. Because again, it was a set pecking order in the house and what she said didn't matter. He was ahead of her. Yasser also physically abused Patricia there was even a time that she refused to have sex with him, and so he cut her legs. Yeah, like, like with a knife.
0: What? Yeah. Ooh. Yep. Uh, okay.
1: Well, and like I said, he would control when she saw her family. Patricia's sister, Connie, said that one time she went over to see the kids and... When she went to leave, he blocked her in and told her, "I can hurt you right now and nobody would ever know it." What? It's like it was just like this control thing. Like, yeah. he wanted Patricia's family to fear him so that he could keep Patricia from going to them. You know what I mean? Mhm. There was one time too that he thought that Patricia was going to leave him, and so he messed up her tires so that she couldn't leave.
0: Tires are fucking expensive. Girl, I know.
1: Like, I'm not joking. I mean, I'm like, can you, like, jack it up or something and then take them off? Like, don't—I mean, I'm not trying to do all that work, but shit, don't <laughs> slice them or nothing. Right? Like, fuck. It said that the abuse didn't stop with Patricia that it continued on to Amina and Sarah. Of course, skipping his son. Right.
0: I mean, not that I want his son to be abused, but it's just like, wow.
1: I don't have a lot of specifics on the physical abuse that Amina and Sarah sustained. I have some of it later on, but not a lot before the ages of about eight and nine Amina being nine and Sarah being eight. But around that time is when the girls told their grandmother that their father was sexually abusing them.
0: A whole other level of yuck and just fuck him. Yep. Ugh. Remember that blood pressure medicine that I needed? Yeah, I need it again.
1: Both of the girls talked about the abuse that they sustained from their father and said that he would molest them and that they were afraid that he would hit them. Sarah specifically said that she was afraid of her dad and his brothers and she said, quote, that she is scared they will take her. Of course, their grandmother reported this to authorities. Police interviewed Amina and Sarah and their stories were consistent with one another. They were the same. They did physical exams on them, and they couldn't find physical evidence of any, like, multi-year abuse. But they also said that that exam does not rule out sexual abuse. It just doesn't show that there is this multi-year abuse that has occurred that they can prove from that exam. You know? Hmm. Patricia signed an affidavit saying that what the girls were saying was true, and they moved out of the house and, I think, in with her parents. Yasser was indicted for the sexual assault on the girls, which, of course, just completely enraged him. And he started calling Patricia over and over and over and over again. And which, it's like, why is there no protection for them with this? Granted, it's probably around, like, 1998, 1999, so we've come a long way understanding the relationship between abuser and victim, especially when it is in the family like that. But still, it's like, why is there no protection order of some sort to, like, keep him from contacting them, you know? Yes, I completely agree about that. Because that's still abuse. Right, exactly. And it's it's intimidation, is what it is. Mm Mm-hmm. So, right around this time, he got arrested on something called officer retaliation, and this was after being, it says he was confronted over a traffic violation. I don't really understand it, but basically, he was released on bond for that.
0: So, is that just like resisting arrest and like doing something, you know what I mean? Like being mean, not mean to the officer, but you know what I mean? Like doing something to the officer, because- He was pulled over. Maybe. Honestly, I was like, I've never fucking heard of that. No, me either. I know we got a
1: couple attorneys that listen to this. So uh, can you dumb that down for us? Yes, please. Put it in layman terms and then take it down a notch. (laughs) I was going to say, because you know, uh, my lazy ass didn't research that.
0: Well, yeah. And I don't know it because SVU or Chicago PD, I don't think they They didn't cover that. that. Mm Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, after... Incessantly calling and bugging the shit out of Patricia about it, aka intimidating her. All of a sudden, now the girls said that it didn't actually happen.
0: What? Yes.
1: So here's the word on the street. Well, because you got to remember, Patricia signed an affidavit saying that what the girls were saying was true. Yeah. When the girls recanted, they recanted saying, they told a lot about the abuse because they wanted to go live with their grandmother because their parents were going to move and they were going to have to change schools. And they said that they didn't want to go. Now there are multiple sources that say that the girls told them the same story. And it wasn't until after Yasser called Patricia over and over and over and over again And it wasn't until allegedly, Patricia allegedly forced the girls to recant. Allegedly. Patricia's sister Connie at the time was pretty close with the girls. And Amina wrote her a letter that said, My mom wants us to say that my dad didn't sexually abuse us and to tell social services that it never happened. Please don't make me go back to that house Connie said that at the time, she and her kids were living in the same house with Patricia, Amina, and Sarah. And so she took the letter that Amina had written to her and put it in her closet. Because she was like, okay, it's going to be safe so that I can have this proof that he really did it. And that Patricia is the one that made her recant. Well, the letter disappeared. And so she says in this documentary, I had no idea that Patricia would go through my things and steal this letter. Now, again, allegedly, that's all purely conjecture because there's no proof that Patricia's the one that went through her things. There's no proof that the letter ever actually existed. But that's all her side of the story. I will say that, again, there are multiple people, including law enforcement, social services, and Different family members that Amina and Sarah gave the same story to.
0: To force them to recant, allegedly, but then also to have to force them to recant, like to feel that pressure of, you know what I mean? Oh gosh. At least they had people who knew the stories, like they had told what happened because. Them saying like, "Oh well, we lied because we want we didn't want to have to change schools." I mean, you can't put it past kids of mm-hmm. you know that's so something like, "Why well, didn't think it was going to get this big?" Right? Yeah, you kids know. have done
1: that before. Yeah, absolutely. And and who's to say? I mean, I'm not. I don't know that that isn't actually what happened. I don't know. It doesn't seem likely, right? Especially given the next thing.
0: Oh gosh.
1: So, in the documentary that I watched, there's a lot of home videos that are now public. Ooh, ooh. And Yasser is nine times out of ten behind the camera, and he's filming the girls a lot. Oh and, God, it's... Well, it's, you know, if you just kind of first glance, it looks like typical home movies. You know, it's the girls outside playing. Sometimes you see... Islam out there walking because they were pretty close. He took it hard when the girls accused their father of the sexual abuse and he defended them. But as time went on, he really became more like his father. Mm. But I'm not really sure. I can't I haven't gotten a complete picture of him because some stuff said that they got him on disability, For an intellectual disability, and that's how they paid their rent was through his social security disability check for like an intellectual disability. So I don't actually know. Like, I don't know what his story is. I I really don't know anything about, like, I just couldn't find much about him. Yeah. Anyway, so you see him playing sports, hanging out, doing their thing. But sometimes you see him like just laying in their bed And the camera will zoom in on their legs or their bottom or their chest. And you can tell that it makes them uncomfortable. You can tell that, you know, they'll wrap themselves up in their covers, you know, and they'll say, literally in one of them, they'll say, this is illegal. Do I videotape you when you're sleeping? Which could be so, Mm -hmm. like... This is illegal. Do you do I yeah. videotape you when you're sleeping or like no? This is fucking illegal. You shouldn't be videotaping me. I'm a child. Yeah, kind of thing. You know, it could go. It's one of those things that could go either way. When you know the history of the allegations and you see how visibly uncomfortable they are, and the zooming in and the comments, literally where he says like, "Look at those legs," it makes you Ugh. uncomfortable. Like it made me. Physically uncomfortable.
0: He reminds me of the guy's dad in the Susan Powell case. Uh Uh-huh. Him mixed with Michael Turney from Alyssa Turney and Sarah Turney. Yes. Like with the the videotapes and like how he would, you know, like just looking back, it's like, oh no, Alyssa was saying all of this stuff and you can see it in hindsight. But like you said, during the moments, it was... Just a kid and, you know, like, just normal. Why am I like this? I'm like, okay, now I have to see those videos. But then I know I'm going to be like, oh, like, I don't want to, like, I can't unsee those videos then.
1: The girls had some freedoms. Like, they had cell phones. Sarah had a job. You know, she worked as a cashier. I mean, because the family was poor, that type of thing, she kind of had to. But he would follow them. One thing I read said that he, I don't know how true this is. When I read this, I went, this can't be true. So I'm not sure this is true, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It said he took out the airbag in the honk honk and put in a recording device. And then he would like follow them around because he usually worked. So he was a, he was a taxi cab driver. And so he usually worked like the late, late shift, like the night shift and so he would like follow them around after school, just like recording them. And so
0: That is Michael Turney. Yeah. He stood outside of Alyssa's job, that fast food restaurant. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. So um hold that thought. So he's
1: in the car with Amina recording Sarah, like deek, 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 checking someone out. And she smiles at a customer. And he literally goes, on this video, she smiled at the customer. And then Mini goes, Bubba, she has to, it's part of her job. And he goes, She's in trouble.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And again, it's one of those conversations that it could be so like kind of cutesy innocent, like, oh, she's in trouble. Is she flirting? You know? Or it's like, she's in fucking trouble. Yeah. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like or is it all around creepy? And am I just do you see what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: no, it's creepy.
1: Is it all around creepy and am I like diminishing? No, 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 no. Like, like do you see how I'm saying it be the flip side or am I? It could be, it be, side, it could be I, both. Okay. Yeah. Like, it, tell me if I'm not right in that,
0: you know what I mean? No, like, it if I'm, really could be both. If you're looking at this as a friend of the family or whatever, it's like, oh, yeah, he records a lot, but I mean, that's just yasser, you know, like, that's just weird, but it's their relationship you know what i mean
1: but i'm saying like okay like let's say that like tiffany was at work because she works like in the public right and she had a boyfriend and you know she has a customer and she like smiles and she he her boyfriend's like oh did she just smile at him oh she in trouble you know jokingly like that like it's it like it's mm-hmm. just like a like it's just like teasing it's not he's not yeah. seriously like no i'm fucking pissed that right like it's just a tease you know yeah. this it seemed more sinister
0: yeah again you just have to know their relationship
1: too because she wasn't ha 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 she's like no that she has to it's part of her job like it wasn't just like oh <laughs> you know she's you know it was like no no, no she has to it's part of her job Hmm. so you know how i said that the girls were both like in the videos they were like playing sports and all of that amina really liked martial arts And one day in martial arts, she meets a boy, and his name is Jacob. And Jacob is everything that her father never wanted her to meet. Not only is Jacob American and not an older, rich Egyptian man, he is mixed black and Hispanic, but they met and they fell in love. They, of course, had to hide everything, because if her father found out, she would be in so much trouble, and not just in the, I'm yelling at you and you're grounded kind of way, in the, no, physical abuse kind of way. The more they got to know each other, the more she opened up about the abuse that she sustained, but I still never really found out much about the physical abuse, I do know about one time that Yasser kicked Amina in the mouth, and she had braces, and it made her lips stick to her braces, and they wouldn't take her to the doctor because they didn't want
0: uh-huh. social
1: services to be called.
0: What?
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. That makes me cringe. It I think, oh makes... God. Yeah. My stomach, like, flip-flopped when I heard oh, that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Jacob and Amina were together for four years. They would write notes back and forth at school. Again, they, they couldn't really text much outside of school because she didn't want her father to see it. Because, again, if he saw it, all hell would break loose. But they were able to write notes back and forth at school until one day her father found a note she had written. Oh, my gosh. He asks her about it. And she lies and she says that it's a fantasy note that she wrote to a man that she hopes to one day love.
0: Oh, that's a good cover up, girl.
1: Right. Very clever. She said that it's an imaginary boyfriend. It's somebody that she wants to fall in love with. She wants she, you know, she hopes that she finds that kind of love. Yada yada yada. And
0: of course he didn't buy it. It's hard to manipulate a manipulator. exactly. Also that whole why is this remind me of like everything but that right there reminds me of cruel intentions when Selma Blair's character is with Ronald and uh, it's her cello instructor or whatever and they write notes and stuff but then her mom finds it and he's black. And stuff, Mm -hmm. and so it's like a huge thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and that just reminds me of that. And it just like hurts my stomach. Yeah. I mean, I get like, I get why he wants them to marry wealthy old men because, again, he wants it for himself. But it's like, you married Patricia. But he married Patricia
1: for the citizenship. Yeah, I know. And one thing I read, too, it's like having daughters – that are American citizens, for him, was like the golden ticket.
0: Mm. Well, what I don't understand is that he, yeah, he married Patricia for the citizenship. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he had a goal in mind. But then he had daughters, and they're mixed. And he's flipping out because he's mixed, the kid, um, Jacob. I don't understand that, why there's a prejudice there when... You did the same thing. Yeah. Like, it's okay for you, but not for your daughters. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm speaking for my dad. My dad, like, I'm mixed, mm-hmm. and my dad is, he's the same way. And yeah. it's like, hello, I'm mixed. Like, whatever, you, whatever I want, like, you know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I don't understand that. And it just... People like that, you're just never going to understand anyway because they're right no matter what to yes. them. And, like, it's just different. No, it's not. Like, no, it's absolutely not.
1: Yes. And In it, their mind, it's just different. Mm-hmm. It's just different because it's their
0: ethnicity. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm sorry. That, like, it gets under my skin because that really is something i deal with with my dad. Yeah. And i don't know, it's just annoying and of course i like pick the scab's all the time at him because it's so frustrating.
1: Amina told Jacob that he had found the letter and the very next day the family disappeared. <gasps> like
0: Amina's family or Yes. Okay. I was about to be like Jacob's family disappeared. No, Amina's family disappeared. Like it was his um, like it was her uncle's Like, that's what happened on that. But that's even, like... (sighs) Right. So Amina had somehow
1: sneaked away and was able to send some emails to Jacob's mom, Ruth. She told him that they had bought a house outside of Dallas and ran away in the night. That they were about to go back to Egypt and that... At this point, Amina is 16 and that he has promised her to a man in Egypt and he is 47.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: She says that the abuse is continuing on. She's terrified that he's going to kill her. She says, I don't want to marry this man. I can't do it. In the emails to Ruth, Amina says that Yasser wants to know All about Jacob, where he is, all the information about him because he wants to go find him. And she tells Ruth, I'm not telling him that because I don't want him to hurt him. In these emails is when Amina tells Ruth about him kicking her with the braces. She also talks about how he kicks her in the stomach with his
0: boots. Oh, gosh.
1: And at this point, Amina has had so much. She... She just can't take it anymore. She attempts to die by suicide. And when she goes to counseling for the attempt, she refuses to tell them anything because she's a minor. And at this point, she's still emailing Ruth. And she says, I know that because I'm a minor, they're going to tell my parents everything that I say. And I don't want to make things worse for me at home by disclosing all of this stuff In counseling.
0: Wow. And she's, I mean, again, I don't know the law, but she's probably right. Mm -hmm. I think she is. And there needs to be different things for that. Because, Mm -hmm. like, I get it. She's a minor, but also her abusers. Are in the home. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, she would open up if she. Right. If she could. If she. Oh, my gosh.
1: So now we're in December of 2007. The girls are now 16 and 17 and at this point they've decided that with two of their friends they've had enough and they're leaving. They are going to Oklahoma. They're leaving. They decide to take Patricia with them when they leave because she's getting abused too and they're like okay you know what even though in a lot of the emails you know, and their conversations that they have, they're like, she doesn't stand up for us, all these things. But you know what? She's getting abused too. Like, we're going to take her with us. They had burner phones and all this stuff that they were using. And Yasser had no way of contacting them. Well, on December 31st, it was Patricia's mom's like death anniversary. And she wanted to go put flowers on her grave. So she said, I'm going to go back to Texas and, because I want to go put flowers on her grave. They're like, okay,
0: I mean, I guess. I I mean, I get it, but no, girl. No. Right. Have your own memorial for her somewhere else other than her grave because she is not there.
1: Sarah went with her, and Amina was like, I'm not going back to Texas. Fuck y'all, I'm not going back. Absolutely not. Once they're on the way, and they're almost there, Is when Patricia tells Sarah the truth. She's been talking to Yasser the whole time, and she's actually going back to him.
0: Are you fucking kidding me? And she used her dead mom as a... Yep. As a decoy? Yep. Fuck you, Patricia. (laughs) I mean, I know, she... No, fuck you, Patricia. Well, she... No, fuck you, Patricia. mm, Okay. Carrie has become the Donna.
1: Yeah. Then they start calling Amina... They're like, please come home, please come home, like, we just want to talk, like, please come home, please come home, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm, I'm not coming. And Patricia is like, just, just come home, like, we just want to talk, like, it's going to be okay, like, I promise it's, it's going to be okay, just come home. So after multiple, I'm talking like, eight phone calls within a span of like, two hours, Okay. On New Year's Day, so January 1st, 2008, Amina goes home. Yasser says that he was going to take the girls out for dinner because he just wants to talk to them. They get into the cab to go to dinner, and they never left. He shot them 11 times before fleeing the scene.
0: Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. Oh. I mean,
1: no, I'm not fucking kidding you. He fucking lured those girls in. Wow. As much, and look, I'm going to say allegedly because I'm not trying to get fucking sued. So, allegedly, as much as fucking Patricia wants to say that she didn't fucking lure Amina and bring Sarah back to that house for Yasser to fucking do it, she did. Yeah. Allegedly.
0: Yeah. Because even if you're in that situation, you wouldn't want them alone with him because you know what he's capable of and stuff. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He killed them with their fucking love. Yep.
1: So, there's some, some drama around. Sarah actually gets a call into 911 that you can hear, and it's heartbreaking, and we are not going to fucking play it. But you hear her screaming, oh, my God. The call was like 42 minutes. Police had a really hard time finding the bodies. They were at a um, hotel In the cab, Sarah died on the call, and Yasser fucking disappeared.
0: He's still at
1: large? Well, in 2017... Oh, holy shit! uh Uh-huh. The investigators finally caught a break. So, this information I got straight from the Department of Justice. A maintenance worker at an apartment complex where Islam was staying, was living was going into his apartment to fix a leak. Well, he knocked. No one answered. So he, like, used the key to get in, and the deadbolt was locked. So he was like, oh, shit, somebody's here. So he, like, knocks again. He's like, yeah, maintenance call. What movie? Beetlejuice. Uh. And somebody, like, lets him in, and he was like, oh, fuck, who's that? Okay, okay. Like, he knows that that's Islam, and he knows that, like, that's Islam's apartment, and he knows his connection, and he's like, bruh. Like, that's Yasser. Like, he he makes the connection. So he goes and tells his boss, who is like, wait, what? So they call the FBI. Long story short, the FBI finally get there. Islam's already made a call and is like, bro, we got a problem. And so by the time that the SWAT gets there and beats down the door, the sliding glass door on the patio is open and there's like branches broken where somebody's, jumped off, and ran, and he's fucking gone.
0: Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. So he is on the fucking FBI's top ten most wanted.
0: Oh my gosh. And what's up with Patricia? Where's she? Just living her fucking best life. And fucking Islam let him be in his apartment? He killed his sisters.
1: Well, if you remember, though, I did say that You know, at the very beginning, he was kind of on his sister's side, very upset when it came Mm -hmm. to the sexual allegations, but then he kind of switched and became more on his father's side. The documentary is called The Price of Honor. They do a, a better job talking about, like, the siblings of Yasser and just, like, the family dynamics and the help that he had to have gotten on the run and yada, 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 but hold on, I'm not done. Then... August 17th, 2020.
0: Holy shit. Two days before my mom's birthday.
1: There had been some surveillance on this house in Justin, Texas. He
0: is still in fucking Texas. I mean, Texas is huge, but still. Because,
1: so basically, Yasser's niece. There was a house in her name. But like... This brother lived in New York that had a car and his name like there's like all this stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, with some weird shit going right. on. Right. And they had noticed that like they would go in with some bags of groceries, they'd come out with trash bags and they'd leave in a car and then they would take the trash bags somewhere else and dump them so they'd go follow them, get the trash bags, and then they would find then they get the trash bags, they'd find these cigarette butts. Mm. Okay, then they would see this shadow of this person walking by, mm. right? So, long story short, they finally arrested Yasser 12 years after the murders of Amina and Sarah. Wow. They also arrested Islam and Yassim, who are Yasser's son and brother, for aiding and abetting a fugitive kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're obviously innocent until proven guilty because he hasn't been convicted. I mean, like, he literally was never even arrested for their murder. So, him being guilty is even allegedly because Mm -hmm. he hasn't even been convicted of murdering them.
0: Mm -hmm. But they were in his cab and he was gone and Mm -hmm. all of this. but, But, like, they're saying
1: for him to even have left the parking lot of the hotel where he murdered them to even have escaped... Covered in blood and all these things, like his family had to have been involved. Mm-hmm. Like it was, you know. And then like, there's some sketch stuff, and they go over it in the document. You'll got to watch this documentary. It's really good. It's like, it's it's like a two hour long document. It's good though. It's um because they go into how like one of the um, brothers, his daughters were like married off to people in Egypt one of the ex-wives was, like, sent off to Egypt and has never been seen again. And, like, there's, like, some, like, sketch shit that's happened. And, like, the producers of the documentary went to one of the brothers' houses to, like, interview him. And the daughter answered and then um, the door. And then he, like, immediately called him and was, like, called him all these names, like, cunts and bitches and all these things, and I'll fucking kill you if you try to talk to my family again. You know, just, like, I mean, like, Whoa. Yeah. You we know? need to
0: do this for a a watch party.
1: Oh, that's a good idea. That would be so good. Yeah. I am like in the documentary they interview Patricia. She's in this. And it's so interesting because they'll go from Connie, the sister, to the or the aunt mm-hmm. to her. And it's like her saying Connie saying, No, Amina wrote me this letter to Patricia saying, I really just don't think Yasser would um molest those girls he fucking killed them what do you mean you
0: don't think he would molest them he killed them and then he left you because he was on the run
1: he married a 14 year old what do you mean you don't think he would molest a nine year old there's not
0: much difference what do you mean like you got too fucking old because he's a nasty motherfucker and we hate him and i'm so glad that this year—you know what? This year has been pretty shitty, but at least he was fucking caught. Yes. And his fucking son and his fucking brother who was helping him. But there's more brothers that oh, I, yeah. I really,
1: really, really had to play played a part because, I mean— and, and, But also, though, like, the niece. The niece was taking food and all that, too, you know I mean? So it's like, what—I mean, is she a victim in that she's forced? Because, I mean— It doesn't sound like the daughters of the brothers are raised very differently than Amina and Sarah were. So is she a victim or is she part of the, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah.
0: Probably a victim. Probably a victim. God. Because, yeah, hell, they don't have to say a boogeyman. They just have to say, do you want to go to Egypt?
1: Yes. Well, and here's the thing, too, is that when when they took them, they would take their American passports from them.
0: Fuck. Yeah. Like— you know, you have that threat of human trafficking and stuff like that, but from your own fucking family? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what the fuck? Yep.
1: So, thank you so much, Valerie, for the recommendation. I think a couple other people may have recommended this one, so I'm so sorry if I missed you. But we really do appreciate y'all's recommendations.
0: Yeah, we really do. Because,
1: oh my god, this one? Whew. I just love that this one had an ending so fucking recently.
0: Yes, Like, whew. Well, sticking with the great state of Texas, but the not-so-great things that happen there, I'm venturing out of Paranormal again to talk about the yogurt shop murders in Austin. Shut the fuck up. Yes, because this was also recommended by a creepster, but she's also a Creepinati member, so shout-out and thank you to Shelby S. She recommended this to Carrie, but I snatched it up because, like, I love this Just because you can go down rabbit holes with this, so I wanted to cover it. Like, she literally just did this, um, like, this week.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, two days ago. Yeah. You know, the early bird gets the worm. You know I'm never fucking early. Neither are you, so I don't know what the fuck's gotten into you. We get it. You wanted to, uh, dabble in my true crime pond. Exactly. You know, I gotta keep y'all on your toes. No, but this has a lot of rabbit holes, a lot of conspiracies. yeah. So I definitely see why you're doing it.
0: Yeah. So, picture it. December 6, 1991. Austin, Texas. Two teenage girls, 17 to be exact, Jennifer Harbison and Eliza Thomas, were doing their thing, winding down their day at their job. They worked at I Can't Believe It's Yogurt, ICBY. And the store closed at 11 p.m. So you know how it goes. You start wiping down tables, refilling things, all the shit as the night progresses. So you can get out at 11 and you're not there at fucking midnight, especially if you have plans, which they both did. Jennifer's younger sister, Sarah, and her bestie, Amy, were going to come by the shop and they would hang out and then ride home with Jennifer for a sleepover. Sarah was 15, and Amy was 13. Oh. So the girls all knew each other from FFA. That's Future Farmers of America, if you didn't grow up in, like, an agriculture part of... Like, we had that. Mm-hmm. And we have, like, 4-H Club, FFA. I never did any of that.
1: Hell though. no. <laughs> hmm. I mean, more power to all y'all who did, and y'all got... Y'all had a good old grand old time, but... uh. mm I am city suburbs at the furthest rural as I get. Same. Same. The other day, because Colby and I bought new furniture, you know, if you listen to the last episode Donna told you. <laughs> Oops. And um, <laughs> so we took the old furniture to the camp. And there was this rope in the back of Colby's truck that I was getting out for him. And so I climbed over in the back of the truck to get it out for him. First of all, he got me in a very vulnerable state because as I was putting my second leg over into the truck, he poked me in the butthole. <laughs> and I, of course, yelled at him. And I was like, I am very vulnerable right now. <laughs> I mean, for real. <laughs> but whenever I was coming out, because he has on his truck, he has like this like step thing on his. It's like a cutout in the, what are those called? Bumper? Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, put your foot down, bring your other foot down, and then step in that. I was like, what do you mean, put both feet down like that? Like, you know? He was like, yes, because I kept like putting one foot down. He was like, now put your other foot down. I was like, no, I can't do that. And I'd like climb back in. And he was like, no, okay, now bring your other foot out. He's like holding my butt up. I was like, I can't do it. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to climb out of trucks and all this shit before this, you know? Yeah. For no time, and I'm like, no, you're not.
0: <laughs> no, I. Oh, Timmy took ag. Uh, In high school?
1: No. I always remember people saying that that class was easy, except this one project they had. And they had to collect, like, 200 different leaves or some shit like that. Fuck no. That involves schlepping all over in the outside.
0: (laughs) No, thank you. My sister took it, Susan. And the same teacher who taught Tiffany and my brother, because my brother took it, taught my sister. And my sister... Graduated when we moved up here. So my sister graduated in 88. So like, I'm just saying like she's older and then he's still there. Well, she is like us. She is not very country. We lived in Mobile, which isn't, I mean, it's more city now, but it wasn't country, you know. But so then she came here, which is like way more country than Mobile. And so she was like, what the fuck is this? Well, you had to drive some like some kind of tractor, like, but you had to be able to like go forward and go back in it, you know, for a test or whatever. And she was like, "You don't want me to do it, like, I don't know how to do it." And he's like, "You can do it. I'm going to show you how to do it," you know. Uh, she ran over his foot. <laughs> she broke it, didn't she? I I don't remember, but like, yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh-huh. And he remembered that when he was like Kenneth Elwin. Are you related to Susan? Like, you know? Like, <laughs> well,
1: y'all also have a very distinctive
0: last yeah, name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unlike us, you know, they were all into this. And Eliza and Jennifer were even nominated both for FFA Queen during their senior year. Okay, girls, get it. Right? So I want to go into a little detail about each girl before moving on with this story. Jennifer liked sports, and she was a track star. And Jennifer did something that reminded me so much of you, Carrie. When she was younger, she played T-ball for one reason. Boys. No. Something even more like you. To get the t-shirt. <laughs> Carrie will sign up for anything to get a fucking t-shirt. I swear to God, that how to get join a cult, free t-shirt. She's like, I'm there. I am there. Oh, God, I am not lying. You're not. I've done many (laughs) in 5K just for a damn Mm t-shirt. Well, she was short, like five foot even, but she was spunky and feisty in the best way. She let her opinion be known, but never harsh and always with love and enthusiasm. That's hard to do, especially for a 15-year-old. No, she's 17. Uh, Well, still. Well, Sarah, her younger sister, who was a 15-year-old, She shared her sister's love of sports as well. Her passion was basketball and volleyball, but really basketball. And I thought this was so cute. Later, when her mom was being interviewed, she said, Sarah's claim to fame in basketball was not her scoring. It was that in every game, she fouled out. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, hilarious. (laughs) She's a badass little motherfucker. Yes, yes. She was also a cheerleader. So after she would play, she'd go change and then cheer for the boys game after. So tournament season, she would do that multiple times and stuff. Like it, that girl could get it, you See know? stamina, man. Yes. And she had recently gotten a boyfriend. So she was head over heels and giddy about their future. And like I mentioned, they were in FFA together. Both girls loved raising sheep almost as much as they loved George Strait and his music. I mean, have you seen him in those Wranglers? I mean, can you get any more Texan? I don't think so. Well, Amy, Sarah's friend, took her love for George Strait a little more serious and had a crush, like a major crush on the king of country music, which again, who can blame her? No one. But other than George, she loved animals. First and foremost, horses and cats. Amy grew up on a ranch, and so she was always hands-on. And she was even, like, doing shit with horses at fairs and everything by age three. So most people would say, oh, she's part cowgirl, part whatever. But her father would always correct them and say, no, she's all cowgirl. And I just thought that was so, mm-hmm. like, just so pure and sweet and, oh. And even if she had other interests, like she was still cowgirl through and through, always in jeans, cowboy boots, cowboy hat, you know, like that's just who she was. She was ready to get down and dirty. You know, they moved to Austin and she was scared that she wouldn't find anyone that would accept her because she was more country and quote unquote more rugged, you know. Mm-hmm. And at 13, that's such a vulnerable oh age and stuff, you yes. know. But she did, she found this group, this whole group in FFA, but this group of girls that they were everything to each other. So Amy was the youngest and she was still in middle school, but she participated in the high school's FFA. And I think it was with the help of her older brother, Sean, maybe, or maybe he just kind of like pushed her to go into it in middle school, and then she, like, accelerated in it and got to the high school level before. Like, she was, she had an office in it. You know, like, all of these girls had offices in FFA. They, You know what I mean? They weren't just like, oh, I'm a member. No, 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 no. Like, they took this shit seriously. Yeah, they were like a president, a secretary. Yeah. But if Sean helped her, she was a star in FFA with or without his help. And like I said, through FFA, that's how Amy met Sarah. And they became best friends so quickly. And she was like, okay, like, I can live in Austin. Austin, you know, like, this is good. All right. And then from Sarah, you know, Jennifer was a package deal. And then from Jennifer, Eliza. And so there was the four of them. Eliza loved art and she loved knickknacks, like miniature cats, and she had those little square wooden shelves that had open squares. Think of like a wooden shelf like in a square. it's thin wood, so like I don't know, like three inches. and they it's where knickknacks. you would put knickknacks. so mm-hmm. they had like little like squares and little boxes, basically, okay, like on the wall. yeah, okay. Well, it reminds me of my older sister. Like, I knew exactly what they were talking about. And then when I watched, like, interviews and stuff, I was like, yep, that's exactly what I pictured. Like, because I know, because my older sister Lori, when she lived with us when I was younger, she collected knickknacks. She collected teddy bears. And I would go into her room and fiddle with her, like, little figurine collection all the time. And she had, like, this fake crystal teddy bear that I always messed with. And listening to Eliza's mom talk about her collection like really made me miss Lori's and I just wish I had that teddy bear now. And like I can only imagine Eliza's mom with those knickknacks now. Another thing Eliza loved was fashion and beauty. And in those shelving units, she would have lipstick in some of the squares and like she would wash her face multiple times a day. She was so conscious about skincare and just taking care of herself and so she was going to use a cell of a pig that she was raising to fund her modeling portfolio and really chase after her, you know, this new passion of hers. One more thing that humanized this story for me was Eliza had just bought her first car and most called it a clunker, but she didn't care. She fucking loved it. And it was a 1971 Volkswagen Karmann Ghia. I'm probably going to cry, but she loved working on this, and for Christmas, a lot of her wish list was just car parts that she wanted to use to fix up the car with, you know, but the thing that connects with me is that I had no idea that this was a type of car, but my mama, we all know she would make up her own words and shit, but she can never remember what my navigation was called. And it was a Garmin, but she would call it Carmen Kia. Oh. And I thought she just made it up, but. Oh. So just like. Yeah. When I heard that, I was like, oh my God. Like She didn't make it up. She didn't make it up. <laughs> <laughs> like bloody bones and stuff. If you're in the Creepinati, like it was a story. Yeah. But she didn't make up either, but like. God damn, she was so smart. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, so I don't know. It just, like, when that hit me and it yeah. just, you know, again, was just, like, how much I miss her. I can't – and if she died suddenly, but, like, she wasn't taken from me from by someone else. Yeah. You know? And so I just – I can't imagine that loss. And that just – so I'm very sorry. Okay, so back to December sixth, nineteen 1991. Sarah and Amy did arrive at the yogurt shop around 9 p.m. They had been at the mall like a mile away. And it was the place to be in Austin if you were a teen. Like most Mm. places in the world. If you're a teen, you were at the mall, especially in 91. I was going to say. Yeah. But this had like an ice rink. Damn. Like a huge arcade. It had like a six screen, cinema, you know, like, so, I mean, it was like a legit place. An ice rink. I mean, not that I would do it, but I would definitely watch people. You would have, like, if you had grown up there with one, you would have. Yeah. They had been dropped off by Jennifer before she had started her shift that night. Soon after they got to the yogurt shop, they walked down to a pizza place nearby, and guess what it was called? Mr. Gaddy's. Yes. Right? I was just like, oh, my gosh. So they brought back a pizza box, Mm -hmm. you know, and they ate it at one of the tables. And there were multiple people who remembered seeing them do this. And they said that the girls were lost in their own conversation, which I can completely picture, you know, so around 9.30, Eliza's mom popped in and got some yogurt. And this was the normal thing for their parents to do was just to check in once because, you know, two 17-year-olds, the only people who are working, closing down a, like a place on a weekend. Mm-hmm. And I mean yogurt. Exactly. And probably free. Let's just be honest.
1: I mean, at the very least, their employee discount. Right. With, you know, little uh, under-the-table extra toppings.
0: Uh-huh. like,
1: really? I burst you. Give me extra
0: fucking sprinkles. You. That is definitely you. Man, Carrie worked at a a snow cone place, and she made the best pink ladies because she would, like, load me up with that fucking condensed milk. hmm Let me tell you, this girl, any place she works, she does a good job. Domino's, best fucking pizza maker ever. (laughs) Let me tell you.
1: Because I'm an extra large pizza. I know what people like to eat. True. I did not get this girlish figure from not knowing what
0: tastes good. (laughs) True. Well, five out of five would recommend. (laughs) Well, okay. So now we're about to get serious. Because the last thing we know, at 11.03 p.m., the cash register was opened because it rang up a no sale. So just before midnight, Troy Gate was an officer and he was just on patrol, you know, doing like DWI stuff, you know, just just patrolling. But he noticed smoke coming from the strip mall that the yogurt shop was in. So he immediately reported it. And soon firefighters were on the scene because the Austin we know now is not the Austin that was in 91. It was like. Around 400,000 people, which is still a lot, but like now it's like a million, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like a destination. Yeah. Back then it was still like a big city, but a small town feel. Mm -hmm. And this is in a more affluent area too. So it was like, quote unquote, safer, you know, quote unquote, less crime, all the things, you know. Well, one of the firefighters, Renee Garza, said he remembers when he arrived, he took in the situation, and he did notice that the lights were off, the closed sign was facing outward, and, you know, the door was locked. Everything seemed like something happened after closing. So it was probably like faulty wiring in the kitchen, you know, someone left something on, Whatever. Renee said he could clearly see, you know, the black smoke just swirling and filling the dining room area and the fire's blaze behind it. So he and his fellow firefighters did what they do, used a crowbar to open the front door because, like I said, it was locked, and instantly began efforts to stop the fire. And this fire is what they refer to as a two-alarm fire, which basically means, like, you need to be careful, but don't underestimate it. Like, it's probably going to be able to get under control rather easily, but, like, it could get hairy. You never know. And because of this, it was just a matter of minutes, and the smoke and the fire were clearing out, and they were able to see a little bit more. And that's when Renee Garza's partner, David DeVoe, found something no one was looking for, and no one thought they would ever see He got Renee's attention and pointed towards an object, and he asked, is that a foot? The two, of course, approached the object, and the closer they got, the more their stomachs turned. It was a foot, and then they found an arm and a body, and then another. And something heartbreaking, too, Renee said that they had probably walked on the bodies, not knowing that they were there because of all the smoke and the fire, and they didn't think Homicide, you know, or mm-hmm. anything. They they were just in there taking care of the fire, whatever they couldn't see. And he was just like, to think about them walking on them, it was just too much. In the rear of the back room, there were two bodies stacked on top of each other and one laying really close by, all charred beyond recognition. And their bodies were kind of melted into the linoleum floor mm-hmm. by this time. Like, some of the metal racks were, like, slumped, you know? Mm -hmm. And just, like, that's how hot it had gotten at this point. And then there was one more body that they found. That body was in the middle of the back room, away from the others. And the two bodies stacked were Eliza, 17, Sarah, 15, and Jennifer, 17, was laying nearby. And Amy, the youngest at 13, was the one in the middle of the room. Oh, my
1: God.
0: And the analogy people use, and that might not be the word for this, like, analogy, but they said that they were stacked like wood and set on fire. Mm. That just makes, like, my whole body hurt and my heart just sink because it's true. They were like wood because they were not treated like humans. You don't do that to a fucking human being. Ugh. Well... Eliza, Sarah, and Jennifer were all burned so badly that not even their race was obvious. Their sex wasn't obvious. They could only be identified by dental records. And you have to visualize this too, that by the time the police showed up, the place was like dripping wet, almost flooded from the firefighters putting out the fire. When the detective arrived, John Jones, his first words were, holy shit. Everything was gruesome. And we don't know everything because the autopsy reports were sealed. And so the stuff we know is the stuff that was leaked. And this does get, like, pretty gruesome. So just trigger warning.
1: Fast forward if you need to. Yeah.
0: But what we do know is that the girls were all found naked and each had been shot in the head execution style with a twenty two caliber bullet. Sarah, 15, had her hands bound behind her back with a pair of panties and she had been gagged and they believed raped. Jennifer, 17, was not bound but her hands were behind her body. So I don't know like if she was bound and like the clothing, you know, incinerated in the fire. Eliza, who was 17, she had been gagged and her hands also bound behind her back. And like I mentioned before, they were all three severely burned, and Wikipedia kept using the word charred, and that just, like, oh, like, they did not look human. Yeah. And then there was Amy, 13, and like I mentioned before, she was found a little ways away She only received second and very early third-degree burns on about 30% of her body. And I say only just because of the severity of the other girls. Mm -hmm. But she was found with like a sock cloth-like thing around her neck. And she had been shot in the head like the other girls. But apparently that did not kill her instantly. And she was able to free herself off the stack of the bodies and she was trying to get help, but then she was pistol whipped and shot again with a thirty eight caliber bullet. This exited through her cheek and her jawline. The police do know that Amy was raped. And they also found an ice cream scoop between her legs pointed up right there.
1: Like like the scoop or the handle?
0: I don't know. It just said that they found the scoop. Oh my god, I could have gone a
1: lifetime without ever hearing that. Yeah. I think I knew that, but, like, I I just, that's the most gruesome, like, yeah, that's
0: so fucked up. That's so fucked up. Yeah. And just an FYI, it's thought that the reason Jennifer wasn't exactly stacked is because Amy moving, but also the firefighters' water hose pressure could Not have her pushed her yeah. off more. And so they really do think all the girls were stacked, and it just... Those two ended up, yeah, you know, a little different. After all of this, the killers lit the store on fire, and it's believed that they used like styrofoam cups and stuff. And did that, and they walked away and vanished like a fart in the wind. But you're saying they because they believe there were multiple because of the 22 caliber bullet and the 38 caliber bullet. But it could have only been one because we know multiple people who go into places and they have multiple guns. Mm -hmm. And we know people do shit to throw like the cops off, you know, like, well, they'll make, they'll think it's two people. Let me do, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You never know. But they, a lot of these things are multiple people.
1: I always wonder though, like, This may be a stupid question, not really understanding male anatomy and genitalia, all the things. But, like, if it really is one person, like, how long are they in there to be able to rape, like, multiple people like that? If it, let's just say it really was one person and there's, like, DNA left on each person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, damn, son! You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I know some men can do that, but and some Mm -hmm. men can't. And, obviously, if this was a fantasy for them it's going to be different than just, like, a regular old sexual encounter.
0: Well, and then there's pills that they can take. You know, and I know that this is,
1: like, this is the, I'm pulling a this is the detail that you're choosing to focus on. (laughs) But it's just so weird to me, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, like on like, the I survives and we do and all that, and it's like that they'll be raped so many times, and it's like, shit, how, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But also we don't know how long
0: each time. Too, oh, absolutely. You know, so. Oh, absolutely. That's
1: what I'm saying too. You know, we don't know how long well I mean in this case we have a kind of a general idea, mm-hmm. but it really does stand to reason that it is two people in this case. But I'm just saying like in other instances. yeah.
0: Well, and a lot of people were like, it has to be two people, it has to be two people, it has to be at least two people. But then others were like, no, I can't remember the serial killer that they used as a reference. Ugh, I should have wrote that down. But they were like, no, he literally like raped like eight girls, like bam, 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 bam. Because he, you know, like when you're in that situation and this person, how we always joke, like he killed them with their love. And, you know, like it's. They're fucking serial killers or serial rapists, and you know, they're manipulative, they're oh, yeah. terrible people. And you know, so it's like, yeah, they could one person can control oh, a whole easily. fucking room, oh, and, easily, you know. And so it's like, no, it doesn't have to be two people, no, no,
1: no, not for sure, not to control them or anything like that. And I mean, one, like, in is like with all of our experience unfortunately with mass shootings and stuff like that i mean they'll go in with multiple weapons and stuff like that so it's it's not unheard of that it was one killer but i think with this case it majority of the time points to two
0: yeah well if that didn't break your heart enough on the 48 hours special called innocence lost jennifer and sarah's mom barbara she said Quote, at three o'clock that morning, some people were at my door and they said there was a fire and that's when they told us that the girls were dead, that both of my girls were dead. That right there, it's just like, to be woken up, like, and there's a fi- there was a fire, you know, and it's like, oh my God, are they okay? And then, no, they're not okay. You know, and it wasn't because of the fire, you know, like, it was worse and Oh, and that was her, those were her only kids. And like, I don't know, it just, oh, fuck. Also, remember Sarah had just started dating when she was forced to undress. She had taken off the ring he gave her and placed it in her folded shirt for safekeeping. You know, so they thought, okay, we're going to be raped. We're going to be, you know, like robbed or what, you mm-hmm. know, like whatever, but then we'll we'll go home. You yeah. know, like it's it's whatever. Like they were forced to undress and you can tell because all of their clothes were in piles. Yeah. You know, like neatly done. It wasn't just like ripped and torn. Yeah. But they did have some like cuts on them. And so people assume that they, you know, had like a knife and kind of like take it off, you know, like I'm not joking, you know, and like had yeah. the blade and it kind of ripped some of their clothes, you know, like whatever. Again, to scare them into submission. Mm-hmm. But just thinking about like her thinking and taking off his ring. to Like, oh, gosh. Anyway, well, they got the name for the 48-hour special from a statement that the then-mayor, Bruce Todd, had said. He was quoted saying, We think of it as innocent lost for Austin. Not that we haven't had violent crimes before, but this took out four young girls in their prime. And it was a great shock to the city because also like when the police were doing their investigation, obviously you have to look at the girls, like you have to look at the victims too. Mm -hmm. And there was no dirt on them. Yeah. Like literally no dirt. And They really were just, like, wholesome, good girls. Yeah. And it doesn't make it any worse than, you know, like, if people had skeletons in their closet, because Lord knows I do, you know. And
1: nor does it make the ones with the skeletons in their closet deserve it.
0: Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it doesn't make it any different. But it's just, like, for them, that's what they're saying. Like, the Mm innocent lost is just, like, it's not safe. Like, these people... It was a random thing, kind of, you know what I mean? Like, they had nothing nothing in their closets, but my closet's full, y'all. Not dirty clothes. <laughs> well, back to the crime scene and, like, what could have possibly happened? Remember when the no-sell was rung up on the cash register? Mm-hmm. They believe that is when the $540 was taken as a part of a robbery. And so that's what they went with for a while is that, okay, this was a robbery that went bad. And, you know, again, that's what they were going with. I don't. That money felt like an
1: afterthought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was, was it all taken or was that like a, okay, no sale, like, okay, I'm opening the cash register to count out the money for the night.
0: Yeah. We don't know. And like hell, that no sale could have been them doing something for, like, their little sister or Oh, yeah, whatever. here,
1: I need four quarters for this dollar. I want to run down here and get this soda.
0: Yeah, like, you know, you never know, because my sister had a thing, and, like, we do no sale to mm-hmm. do exactly that. And it was for me to get candy out of the 25-cent machines. <laughs> I mean. Priorities. I didn't get this figure by not getting it. Come on. Yeah, so we don't know. I will say, I think there was money left there, too. Like, it wasn't all of it. So, I feel like you, this was an afterthought. This was just like... This was not the yeah. purpose
1: of the invasion.
0: Right. This is just the cherry on top. Because, like, $540, which is a lot. I'm not saying I would... People
1: have done worse for less.
0: Yes. And, I mean, like, if someone said, hey, I have a $540, I'd be like, please... Please, what sir, could have some do? more? Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, what do you want me to do for that?
0: Yeah. But I'm saying, like, if they said, hey, go rob this yogurt shop, I'd be like, nah, not for $540. My fucking attorney's going to cost more than that. Right? True. <laughs> well, the crime scene itself was a mess. Since the fire department was first called, they had walked through and basically compromised the scene, not knowing that they were. And, you know, water yeah and it's like I mean, if they didn't put out the fire, the fire would have fucking ruined everything. It was a no win situation. Mm-hmm. They did nothing wrong, right, but like and you think about it, I mean that's what the killers wanted, or killers or killer you know, wanted that okay, the fire's gonna take care of everything, and if it doesn't, the water will wash away everything, you know, like they're they're good. Well, the girls had a combined funeral service on December 10th, 1991, and just over 1,500 people were in attendance. Shit. Their funeral procession was eight miles long. Jeez. And just to make you cry again, because I did, the girls' friends played some of their favorite songs, and Sarah's favorite song was, If Tomorrow Never Comes, And Jennifer's was called The Dance. Oh, my
1: God. Could they pick the saddest country songs known to man?
0: Right. Both by Garth Brooks, a legend. And oh, so The Dance is also my brother's favorite song, or it was at one point. But, like, he loved that song, and it always made me cry. If you don't know the song, the lyrics, like, the end of the lyrics, but, like, just the chorus is... Yes, my life is worth the chance. I could have missed the pain, but I would have had to miss the dance. I fucking cried. Like, I couldn't research anymore. Like, I boohooed just thinking about that really is these girls. You know what I mean? That really is that. Oh, God. Anyway, but like, I was like, are you serious? I would be, oh, God, don't ever play those sad songs. Don't do it, Carrie. Oh, I don't. don't, uh Uh-uh. I don't try to cry. (sighs) Well, during the investigation, there were over 342 suspects, multiple false confessions, and even it got to the point where the confessions, there were six written confessions. However, none of these people were the people they arrested for the crime. And, you know, like... We need to do dual research on, like, people who do false confessions. Because, like, you come from a different side of things than me, too. But those people are mind-boggling to me. Mm-hmm. So there were some people who came forward because they were customers that day. Between 8.15 and 8.30, there was a woman named Lucella Jones she came to pick up some frozen yogurt for her husband, who had just had dental surgery. Aww. I was like, a couple goals. She said that she remembered two teenage boys sitting in a booth near the front door. And they were the only two customers at the time. And they seemed to be really focused on this, like, bag or sack that was in the middle of the table. And, like, you know, they're just, like, fucking... Fucking with it, you know? And she said, um, it sounded like marbles or coins in there. But then other people say, you know, looking back, it could have been bullets. Yeah. Basically, like, how she described them and everything, she said they look like hood rats doing hood rat things. And seriously, because it was the, like I said, the more affluent town. And... Their skin was more brown, and she believed them to be Hispanic. That's what, yeah, it all boiled down to. And we all know, like, we all know.
1: Don't make it right. N- right, it's fucked up. Yes, but look, there's so much to, to go over in this story. Like, it's
0: yeah, we can't even. It's fucked up.
1: Don't judge people based on their fucking skin color. You fucking fuck faces. Yes.
0: Yes. And so we're going to go to another eyewitness of sorts. His name is Daryl Croft, and he's a customer who came in around 9.30 or 10. He's former military police, and he now owned a security company. So he walks to the counter, and because he's security, he takes in his surroundings. You know, he's... Mm -hmm. He's military police. He probably knows every exit, everybody
1: that's everywhere, all the things.
0: Yeah. So he said that there were two young couples there separately. Like, it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, you know, at the same table. They were separate. And then there was this guy who seemed to be alone, but really captured Daryl's attention because he just seemed fidgety. And he remembers he had on, like, a military fatigue style jacket and was just basically hanging out in the customer line. So like if someone came in, he would let them go ahead, you know, like, "Hey, hey, hey, you go ahead. Like, why? You know? Yeah. So he did this thing with Daryl too. And then like, he also was like, hey, are you a cop to Daryl? Because he noticed the vehicle that Daryl drove up in and Being a security guard, he had like the lights on the top of his car and Daryl was like, nah, you know, like I'm I'm not a cop or whatever, you know. And so it was just like he took note of that. And so that's kind of weird. And then to ask, it's just like, the fuck? Well, so then he was like, well, you know, still you go ahead. And Daryl's like, nah, man, you go ahead and order. And so finally he did. And guess what he ordered at a yogurt shop? A can of Coke hmm And so, Eliza was like, oh, well, we only have Sprite. And he was like, oh, that's okay. So, it, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, he didn't want anything. Yes. You know? And also, first off, fight me on this, but you should only drink Sprite if you are sick or your stomach's upset. I'm just saying.
1: I don't even drink it then.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a last resort. I'm just saying.
1: I, you know what I know why? It's the dumbest fucking reason. Why? Like, it's, this is literally the dumbest shit. When I was a kid, I had this, um, I don't even know if it was mine or if it was, like, a baby doll bottle. But, like, the nipple on it made the Sprite taste gross. But I still, like, would drink it out of that bottle anyway. And so now when I drink it, I still taste it like
0: that. Yes. And it grosses yes. me out. I'm really glad to know that you did that. Like, I mean, it wasn't, like, well... Maybe it was. Maybe I'm understanding this wrong and I'm about to out myself. So redact this if it's not right. Okay. Um, when you say baby bottle, do you mean that it was like a baby doll's bottle? I I don't know if it was mine or if it was actually a baby doll's bottle. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Cause I would do that to a baby doll's bottle. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't a bottle, and so it would be nasty. I'm like, why am I drinking out of this? It when probably was a baby doll's bottle, which is why it was so nasty. Mm-hmm. And but I was too old to be drinking out of a baby. Yeah, doll's. I was like seven.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, Ooh. I was like sitting there watching fucking Murder She Wrote while mom <laughs> drinking yes, out of this shit, yes. which is why it was fucking disgusting.
0: Yes. Okay. Damn. I mean, I was like, wait, wait. Maybe she means. Baby bottle. Shit. Like, no.
1: Okay. Whew. And it tastes like that to me still. I, like, I can still, I can
0: still, I can literally can see it. I can tell you what <laughs> chair I was sitting in. <laughs> All right. But anyway, so him, one, ordering a can of Coke at a yogurt shop and like have waited there, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. But then when he's like a can of Coke and she's like, we only have Sprite, which is weird. But he's like, cool, cool, cool. That's very sus. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Well, after the guy paid, he moved around the corner and then headed to the back of the store. So Daryl asked where he had gone because like, mm, well, Eliza was like, oh, so he needed to use the bathroom. So I let him in the back to use the bathroom. Now, certain people say that that was normal. Other people say that that was like the employee bathroom and they actually had. Other bathrooms, but it was later, so they might have fucking cleaned them. And she was like, "Look, just go to the back." You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know, but not that late. If it was like nine o'clock, they were still two
1: hours from closing, so that's pretty freaking early to have already cleaned a bat. So I would doubt that.
0: Yeah, hell if I know. So I, I don't know, and who knows? She might have known him. You know, like. You don't know, but she knew Daryl a little bit because they knew each other. She used to work at like the gym that he went to. And so maybe she didn't know this guy and she just didn't want to mm-hmm. tell him because he also knew her mom. You know, so you never know because she's yeah. 17. And who knew that this day was going to be this day? Yeah. You know, well, this made Daryl way more uneasy about the guy. And so he hung around the counter a few minutes just to see like, all right, when's he going to return? You know, like just kind of looking out. But he never did. And Daryl was with like two other people. And they're all like, like, let's go, let's go. And his yogurt starting to melt, like they were all just going to go and eat. So he was like, all right, I'll see you later, Eliza. And he called her, it was his yogurt girl. You know, like that was his thing. And. He was like, I never knew I wasn't going to see my yogurt girl again. You know, and it's just like, oh. Well, then there was a married couple who had just stopped in for yogurt around 1045 after a late movie. I mean, couple goals on that, right? right? Like, perfect. And they said that they noticed two men sitting in a booth closest to the cash register. And they were acting strangely. They said that one appeared to be bigger and it might have been more muscle or just bigger. But they were both wearing, like, jackets or thick sweatshirts or something. Because, I mean, it's December. So, like, they just couldn't really tell, like, body types all the way. But they were just, like, who knew that they were going to have to know all this shit? Mm-hmm. You know, but they were just, like, acting weird. So they, they noticed them, but not, like, where they could have a sketch artist draw them. Well, they said the men were watching the girls as, you know, they refilled the napkin containers and turned the chairs over, like, upside down on the tables. And the crime scene photos later revealed that the booth that the couple say that these two guys were sitting at, it's the only one that the napkin container was still empty and there were no chairs placed on the table at that one booth and everyone else was done. And so it's ki- it kind of, like solidifies like, okay, there were two other people, you know, while they were doing this and they never got to refill that. And something else, like when it's right before 11, they lock the door. And so even if people are inside, they lock the door so no one else can get in. Right. The couple, you know, they thought about it at first. Cause again, they were at, they were there at 1045. So it's almost closing time. And those guys were just there and they they said they almost, you know, were like, are y'all okay? Like, to the girls. But then they were like, why make a big deal out of nothing? Who knows? Because, again, who the fuck knows? They, that could be their boyfriends. You never know. But, hmm. So those were the only eyewitnesses that they had. Eight days later, the police received a tip that blew the whole case wide open. The tip said that they needed to take a close look at Maurice. Pierce. He was 16 and he was seen at North Cross Mall with the gun and it was the same night of the murders. And that was the same mall that Sarah and Amy were at. Well, they did take a closer look and turns out that the gun was a 22 caliber handgun, same caliber as the guns used to execute the girls. Well, when they questioned Maurice, he was like, Oh, my friend Forrest Wellborn, he borrowed that gun. So if the gun was used, it had to be Forrest who killed the girls. And Forrest is 15. So they brought Forrest in, but Forrest was like, what the fuck? I don't even know about murders. He was like, look, we weren't even here. Me, Michael Scott, Robert Springsteen, and Maurice... We were all up in San Antonio because we had stolen an SUV and drove up there and just like had a little party. Like, I mean he's implementing another crime to be like, we weren't even here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but uh going to jail for stealing an SUV that you actually did is a whole hell of a lot better for going to jail for a murder that you didn't fucking do.
0: Right. They were like, Well, okay, gun was tested. The ballistic showed it did not match the murder weapon. They couldn't place them at the scene, so investigators were back to square one. Then they arrested Carlos and Alberto in Mexico in 1992. It said that they confessed to a rape of an Austin woman and also to the yogurt shop murders. And the men were tried and convicted. But they were later released because Carlos recanted, and he was like, during the interrogation, they were forced to confess because they were using a uh, Coke bottle filled with water and cayenne pepper, which they would, like, pour in his <gasps> mouth and nose and, like, in his face until he, like, confessed. Are you serious? Uh-huh. And this was in Mexico, but I mean. Oh,
1: well. I mean, not that it makes it right, but yeah. I mean-
0: But, I mean, like, okay. So, they were like, all right, let him go. Because, I mean, mm, you know. All right, sweep that under the rug. Add that to the pile of false confessions. Mm Mm-hmm. Then there was a serial killer who they thought, okay, he could have been the one who killed him. Because he was suspected of killing at least 14 people. He was convicted of murdering three teens in 1966. And he, it was dubbed the Broomstick Murders. Apparently, I didn't care enough about him to know his first name, but his last name is McDuff. I think he's on my to-do list. Well, I didn't read a lot about him, but I was like, Broomstick Murders? But it's like because he would break their neck with a broomstick after he attacked and raped his victims. I was like, okay. Well, he was sentenced to death, but then it was changed to a life sentence in 72 because they... Like, abolished capital Mm -hmm. punishment. But then, due to prison overcrowding, he was paroled in (sighs) 1989. Yep. So then, he did kill during the time he was free. But, like, they asked him about this, and he was like, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. He was like, if I did it, I would have, I'd say it. You know, like, blah, 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 blah. Well, he was recaptured, and, like, he was sent to death row. And on November 17th, 1998, it was the day of his execution. He was like, okay, 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 I killed him. Yeah. I did it. Conveniently. Uh Uh-huh. And he, you know, thought, like, maybe it would spare his life. You know, like, oh, okay, okay, okay. They have to ask me questions. They have, you know, like, the whole thing. But they were like, nah, go ahead, you know. Yeah. Later on, they did rule him out because the fingerprints and the hair collected from the yogurt shop could not be linked back to him. And like I said before, he had denied it before, too. Mm-hmm. And he was already doomed. He, You know what I mean? He would have mm-hmm. been like, add that to my sentence. Yeah, fucking, you know, yeah. whatever, because he's a f- fuck face. Well, three years later, Jones was promoted to sergeant and he was transferred to another assignment. So it made the yogurt shop officially cold. I had to do it. But fast forward to 1996, Detective Paul Johnson picked up the file and was determined to find justice for the four girls. And no idea why he zoomed in on a particular tip, but he did. And it was the Maurice Pierce tip. You know, the gun, that didn't match, mm-hmm. and they had all been cleared. Okay, well, he focused on that tip, and on October 6, 1999, eight years after the crime, Maurice Pierce, Forrest Wellborn, Michael Scott, and Robert Springsteen were arrested and charged with capital murder. And the whole theory is that they had planned to rob the yogurt shop, and Forrest, the youngest the 15-year-old, he was going to be, like, the lookout. And all the other ones, you know, were going to rob and everything. Well, something went wrong. And what they said is, like, they were mad at the amount of money. And I think one time they said it was, like, $14. or You know, like, it was, it was a weird amount. And so then they had to kill the girls, that kind of thing. Mm. Well, everyone else was like, no, like, that's not what happened. I don't know what you're talking about. But Michael Scott and Robert Springsteen, they both confessed to the murders. But it was after being interrogated by a detective named Hector Polanco. And he he was like a pit bull in the interrogation room and not a good guy. Like, he was just one of those cops that you... Um, he had like a 100% closure, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like...
1: Nobody Uh, has that. If you have that, you've cheated.
0: Yes. You either had, like, one case and you were lucky or, yeah, you don't care who the real killer is or the real Mm -hmm. perpetrator. You just want it closed. You You cheated. Yeah. And, you know, Sergeant Jones, back in the day, he was like, you know what, I don't think Maurice and them are guilty because after Hector Polanco interrogated him and stuff – Maurice still was like, no, like, I did not do that. This is not true. You know, all of that. He's like, he said, quote, my story is if Hector couldn't get him to confess, he didn't do it. Trust me. Because he was like, Hector gets people to confess that are innocent. So, like, if he's guilty and he could, he's fucking 16, Mm -hmm. you know, at that time. Like, "Mm, really? Like, innocent people are like. Breaking down, being like, you know what? I did it. Mm-hmm. And the 16-year-old, and I mean, it can happen, but it's just like, yeah. And, and, eh. yeah. Michael Scott, he confessed to murder, but Robert confessed to murder and raping them. Uh, police were sure that they had finally solved this case and gotten justice for those sweet four souls. But here's the thing. Michael Scott was questioned for 12 hours the first day. And then on the next day, questioned again, and it was total for 20 hours of interrogation. And it was rough. The police verbally abused him, you know. Of course, they lied about shit, you know, just really went in on him. And at one point, one of the detectives brought in a revolver, and it was going to help Michael to remember what happened and what he could have done, you know, role playing. And so he went walked behind and stood behind mm-hmm. Michael Scott and, like, jabbed him in the back of the head with the barrel of the gun. But the detective said, oh, it was my finger. It wasn't a gun. Yeah, right. But it's like, okay, but after 20 hours of interrogation.
1: Probably little sleep, probably little food. Yeah.
0: And you've got a gun right there.
1: It doesn't fucking matter, even if it was your finger. It's, yeah. It's perception's everything. Yep. Perception is reality.
0: Yes. Ugh, it's just like, mm Also, their stories did match each other, and it was, you know, pretty close to what happened, but it was like, yes, after it was, you know, like. Spoon fed uh Uh-huh. So, like, what did you tie her up with? What did you do this with? No, no, I don't think it was that. What else did you use? You know, that, Mm -hmm. you know, like, well, fuck, we can Mad Libs this all you want, and then Mm -hmm. you get a confession, you know. The parents of both Michael Scott and Robert Springsteen were like, the, this shouldn't even have happened because, like, they don't have the com- the mental capacity to be interrogated like that and to answer this because they are developmentally delayed. They had been in special ed classes during high school, and they both ended up dropping out. You know, it was just like too much, and they were over it. You know, and so they were like, they don't have that mental capacity to understand, and they are very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me so much mm-hmm. of Brendan Dassey. And that breaks my heart to think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it really does. Because we all have seen that. Mm-hmm. And there's, there is tape about this. And it just, like, hearing that, you can hear him leading him on, you know, and mm-hmm. just, oh. Well, on Web Sleuths, you know, there is this user. And it pointed out that the Sergeant Jones, who was first... On this case, he was like, you know what? The new people shut me and my partner out of the interrogations, you know? And it's kind of like they didn't want them to know what they were doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, basically, you know, force feeding them information and mm-hmm. making them confess. And it's like, okay, so they didn't remember shit the, the night, like eight days after the Murders happened when Jones and his partner had questioned them. But now, all this time later, they're remembering all of this information. But you never want
1: people around you, like, let's say that you're talking to a boy that you mm-hmm. don't want me to know about. Like, well, you're not going to include me. You're not going to tell me stuff. if you Like, if you know that it's not right or, like, they're inappropriate or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's a bad situation or whatever. Well, you're not going to tell me about it because you don't want that mirror held to your face. Well, same yeah. thing with these detectives. They're not going to tell the old detectives
0: because they know they're fucking up. Uh huh, for sure. Well, he was like, also, if you read the transcripts, if you listen to the interview, he really was like, think about this. Michael Scott used the term accelerant, and he was like, that's the only multi-syllable word that he used in his confession. He was just talking about, he was like, that's cop speak. Mm-hmm. You would say like lighter fluid or, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever. He wouldn't say accelerant. Mm-hmm. And like he said, that was the only multi-syllable word that he fucking used. And it's like, no. That's he, not in his vernacular. Yeah, that's not him. And so it's like, uh-huh. Yeah, he's repeating what... They're telling him to repeat. Mm -hmm. It baffles me. So after two grand juries refused to indict Forrest Wellborn, he was a 15-year-old at the time, Mm -hmm. like charges against him were dropped because they had no evidence with him. And like that like never happens, they say. Like grand juries always indict. You know, it's like, at least go to trial. Like Try it, sure. Yeah. They're like, no. You know, and then again, they're like, Okay, let's try one more time. And the jury's like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Like, no. So, he's off. Well, then, in September of 2002, Michael was convicted of capital murder, but received life in prison. But then Maurice is sitting in jail waiting, like, for trial. But then in 2003, charges against him were dropped because no evidence. But they still had Michael Scott... And Robert Springsteen because they confessed. So they didn't have any physical evidence. They didn't have anyone tying them to the scene or anything else but their confessions, but that was enough. However, police would soon be at a loss again because Robert Springsteen's confession was overturned due to a violation of his Sixth Amendment right to cross-examine the witness. Because Michael Scott's confession had been used against him. But Scott didn't testify, so he couldn't be cross-examined. Like, they thought they were, mm-hmm. you know, they did dirty, and they thought they were they would get away with it. And so then the following year, same thing happened. Michael Scott got overturned for the same reason. And that's true. Like, you should be able to... Uh-huh. It's, it's a rule for a rule. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And it sucks. If you believe that they did that, that sucks. You're like, motherfuck. On a technicality. Then you're mad at the prosecutors because they, they fucked up by doing something dirty. Well, then they shouldn't have fucking
1: done something dirty. No, you should be mad at them because, yes, they fucked up and they did something dirty. Because you should play by the
0: goddamn rules. They're made for a fucking reason. Yep. Play by the fucking rules. Yep. And it sucks if you can't get justice. But if you can't do it the right way, like, don't do it. Because... You never know if it's real or not, if you're doing it the wrong way. I would rather someone who did it get away because
1: you couldn't get a conviction because you followed the rules than you fucking get a conviction every goddamn time because you didn't follow the rules. Yep. Because how many
0: innocent people are going to jail? Follow the fucking rules. Yeah. I mean, just think about... The guy from In the Dark. I always think about him, how he was tried multiple fucking times, and Mm -hmm. it's like, the fuck? Like... flowers. Yes. Like, that baffled me. Mm -hmm. I had never even heard of that, you know? But anyway. But then, in 2008, the yogurt shop murders were back in the news, because there was new DNA testing to be done. Evidence had been collected, but then new DNA techniques were done, blah, blah, blah. Well... The male DNA did not match Michael Scott or Robert Springsteen or any of the other two that had already been exonerated, but, like, none of them. Mm -hmm. But then, just like when people do dirty, dirty, and they can't be wrong, they were like, you know what? They did it, but there was a fifth guy, and that's whose DNA that was. And so that was their whole Their whole shtick, you know, like they got away with it, but it's because there was a fifth guy. So
1: there were five people. Four of them just stood around and watched this one guy rape four girls.
0: Well, they only know of like two people being raped because the other ones were too badly burned to. I'm just saying. But yes, I know
1: it's fucking dumb. Yes. All of these motherfuckers need to be finding new fucking jobs. See, that's the problem. All these pieces of shit are getting fucking reelected to these positions, and they don't need to be holding them. I, look, I don't want people losing their jobs. I really don't. But you know
0: what? If you can't do the job that you have, you need to find a fucking new one. Yes. Like, and some people are like, well, they've been in office so long, you know, they're burnt out. or they uh, Then see- get a new fucking job. Yes, go somewhere else then. Because if you're burnt out and you, like, you're... Tainted by the whatever. It's like, no, then you shouldn't be there anymore. Because Exactly. This is people's lives. Yes. Ugh. Oh, oh, and yes. then
1: you get these like shitty motherfuckers like Ken Kratz and uh Juan Martinez. Juan Martinez, he was the DA on the Jody Arias trial. He's fucking been disbarred. Both of them had sexual misconduct allegations. Fucking Ken Kratz with P- yes. Victims of yes. sexual assault. Fuck you, you piece of
0: shit. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I fucking hate king Kratz. Fucking- You fucking Ooh. predator. Yes, yes. That makes it so much worse because you are in the position of fucking authority. Yes.
1: Ooh. You are no better than the fucking pedophiles that you convict. Yeah. you worse. You're worse. Yes. You are worse. You hide behind your fucking title. Yes. Hey, look! I, I'm lit. I'm so fucking lit right now. Like,
0: <sighs> my blood's boiling. No, and I'm glad you are because we need we need to be because fuck. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. My steam pots. <laughs> my steam pots. <laughs> my steam pots. <laughs> I'm so burning.
1: I'm so (laughs) mad. You're so burning. (laughs) I'm so
0: mad right now. Well, here's the thing. Fuck everyone. I hate everyone. Yes. There's still people that say, no, the four guys are guilty. And that's that, you know. And then there's the other people that are like, yeah, they're guilty and they have that fifth guy. And we have to find that fifth guy and that's going to be it, you know. Man, he's elusive. Right. But then there's other people like myself, and I'm pretty sure like you, mm-hmm. that don't believe they did it because, like, there's no fucking evidence. I mean, for fucking once, we're on the same side. <laughs> yes. And Which it, means we fucking are right. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
1: No, allegedly, we are right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tomorrow the paper comes out, well... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's not because we're that right. Yeah, we are that right. Well, just think about this. So... The police interviewed, like, out of, like, all the customers, like, 52 customers that day. And that's, like, before them, you know, like, everyone in that store. But the two people they could not find were the two guys at that booth that were last seen at, like, 1045 from that couple. They're the only ones that they cannot find. And so it's, like, like you, you went down... This place, you know, you thought, gun, we can match it. And it's like, no, it doesn't match. Mm -hmm. But you still tried to make it match and ruin these people's lives. Mm -hmm. You know, like ruined their fucking lives, but still did it. And these two men, two boys, whatever, you know, could have been found maybe. And they might be innocent, but you never know. They were the last ones seen. They could have seen something. There's theories that the guy who Daryl saw, when he went back there, he might have propped up in the back door mm. to let people in. And so we don't know anything. You know, we, there's unknown assailants. have no idea. There's other people who say, because Amy was not burned the worst or anything, but she did have... More damage that they could see. And they don't know if the other girls had the same damage, but they were burned to the point where you couldn't see it. But they're like, I mean, did someone follow them from the mall?
1: Was she the target? Yeah.
0: So who knows? But again, like, it kind of seems like there's four girls. I don't know if that would be just like one person or something following to be like, mm-hmm. Oh, that one girl though, you know, like, I don't know. But if it was two people sitting there watching them, mm-hmm. figuring out, okay, there's two girls. Cause their younger sisters went in the back to help them, you know, just kind of like sweep, do the things like to get out, to go to their sleepover, you know, just to help. So it's like, okay, the two younger ones are in the back. Up here, they're doing casing this. the joint. Yeah. So it's like they had a lot of time to watch, to learn, and to attack their prey, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And a lot of people like us don't believe that the money had anything to do with it. You know, it was, again, an afterthought. Like, eh, okay, we're here. Like, might as well do something, you know? I don't know. It's so hard because in the spring of 2017 there was a new like dna discovery because the whole like profile of why str like and it does like only male relatives and stuff mm-hmm. and so they were like hey this is a searchable database like let's run it through there maybe we can find you know relatives something with this dna you know for the Fifth man and all. So they, like, sent it off. They got a match, apparently. But the FBI was like, oh, it's privacy laws and we can't we can't share that with you. And so, like, years and years, like, they're still battling to try to figure out who that match is.
1: So how – hmm. I mean, I know that you can't answer that, but it's like, well, how do they do, like, the – Golden State Killer and all of that then.
0: Because that was with a different company. data Yeah, it's different company, but they didn't have privacy stuff.
1: Gotcha. Okay, okay. Then that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And it but it's hard. And so it's just like, you know, it's been like the the parents are like, it's been fucking 30 years. Just give us a break. You know, like just give us something. And I get it. You know, like they get that privacy laws and they get all of this. Cause it could be an innocent person. Like it's not a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, it like, could. It literally could be someone that just had ice cream that day.
0: Yeah, R- so
1: yogurt.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's really a hard thing, and that right there is like, who? That's Sophie's choice right there. But I guess too, like with the FBI, they know it, so they could be researching and like kind of doing their own thing if they wanted to. Oh, they know. Oh, they fucking know. Like, I mean, but if it was a bad person, you know what I mean? Oh, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. They
1: fucking know. It's probably nobody, which is why it's still, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It's hard for this because there's so many things. It's like, if you could find the two people at that booth and get their DNA, if you can figure out this DNA, you know, however the workaround, however... To do whatever, you know, like that is so hard because it's sitting right there. It's like an envelope on a table and you can't open it to see what's inside, you know, and it's like, but I need to know. Mm -hmm. Like it's the like winning lottery numbers and I need to know. Did you win it or not? Yeah. And I can't know. And so, oh, but this is closure for losing their daughters, maybe maybe not even maybe like you know what i mean i know but it's like but that's the thing they're hoping it is and so it's like if it's not can you just like blink twice to let them know and be like just going about your life you know what i mean like keep keep trying something else you know what i mean like and i know you can't but like if it's a no-go, it's a no-go. Don't tell me who it is. Just be like, you know, they're a fucking Bob the Accountant and, like, I mean, unless he's just, like, the best, he's the next Israel Keys, and we don't know shit about him. You know, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know. See, this is where I'm bad. You always say, like, it's, God, it's a psychological term that you always say. It's not right because it is privacy laws. But in this instance, I'm like, just tell them. I I really wish we could figure out the two people who were there that night in that booth.
1: Yeah, you and everybody else.
0: Because I really do not think it is those four guys. No,
1: it's not. There would be some physical evidence pointing to them. Something. There would be literally something, and there is nothing. Nothing.
0: Like, there has to be – like, there would have to be so – They were so young, and I'm not saying that young people can't do heinous shit. We know they can, but it's like they slip up and, you know, like tell someone, do something, leave something somewhere, do whatever. None of that ever happened.
1: Yeah, they wouldn't have waited however many years to confess after a 20-hour interrogation. Right. They would have fucked up way before then.
0: Yeah, and also during that 20-hour interrogation, Michael Scott, like, asked for his lawyer, like, should I have a lawyer? Can I have a lawyer or something? But they never gave him one, but they said it was – because, like, they left and came back and asked him another question, and he answered. And so it was like, oh, well, he's still talking, you know? Oh, my God. And it's like, they just, again, used – they skirted that line, Mm -hmm. and it's like, fuck you, because – (sighs)
1: Yeah, that's shitty.
0: Yeah. So this whole case is really bad because four young girls lost their lives in a terrible, gruesome way. That we honestly don't all, like, we don't know the whole thing. Nor do we need to. Need to. to. know. And they have never gotten justice. Probably will never get justice. And it's like... Not to point the whole hand at people, but it's like, when you zoom in on someone and they don't fit, they don't fit that and you let them go, don't just keep trying. Like, you lost other people. Just like Curtis Flowers. They zoomed in on him and did not care who else. Like, no, we're going to make a case against him. That's what they did on this. Hey, they have a gun and... They're four boys, four girls. That makes sense. Both of our cases were
1: pretty hard this week with the murders of these young girls. Yeah.
0: Brutally murdered.
1: Yours are still unsolved. Mine went unsolved for a long time. Well, technically, I guess it's still unsolved. But at least at this point, they have caught Yasser. Yeah. And so it's going to be solved. I mean, he did it.
0: Yes. Yes. But what sucks with yours is that, you're right, his whole family is a network of bad shit.
1: So even though they've arrested his brother and his son, that's the tip of the iceberg of who protected him and kept him safe. Yep. So it's like, what, they're going to get probably fucking probation, maybe
0: a year? Right. Who knows, with prison overcrowding, like the fucking serial killer.
1: Who got out and, you know, if, if I... If your family member was murdered by a serial killer who was convicted of murder and then was sentenced to life in prison and then got let out for overcrowding, can you fucking sue and be like, you let them out and my family member is dead
0: because of this? Oh, I'm sure. I am sure. The families sued the owners of the shopping center that ICBY was located in as well as the chain itself, because they said that it didn't do what it could have done to protect its teenage employees and that it was then like later on shown that the owners of the shopping center had not responded to a lot of robberies that happened in Mm. that area leading up to the murders. And so they were like, if you would have dealt with the security issues, we might have like, Not had that because they would have been like, oh, shit, they got cameras everywhere. Yeah. Or they would have at least been able to have justice or, you know, something like that. So in January of 1994, they were awarded like $12 million in settlement. And they ended up using a lot of that to set up a nonprofit organization in their daughter's honor. And it's called We Will Not Forget S-A-J-E, which is their initials. And it just really is, like, preventing crime like that happening again.
1: I wonder, now that you say that, I wonder if that kid that was, like, asking for the Sprite and all, I wonder if he was part of, like, that robbery crew. Might have been. That was literally casing the joint for robbery. And that's why he was like, bro, are you a cop? Like, True. Because he really wanted to actually rob it. Yeah. And it was dumb luck that it happened to be the same night.
0: You know what? That is such like a movie moment, but like Mm -hmm. replaying it and it like, no, no, no. Like literally, yeah, he was a bad guy, but not the bad guy that they need for this.
1: Yeah. And like he was just checking things out, you know? Yeah. Wow. Man, these stories are heartbreaking. And I mean, there's not much else to say. I feel like we said everything there is to say about them when we talked about them because fuck, they're so fucking heartbreaking.
0: Yes. But, of course, we want to hear your feedback.
1: Yes. Tell us what you think about the stories. What are your theories about what happened to the girls in the yogurt shop? You know, in my brain, like, I know this story and I've heard it, but I always picture it, like, in the 60s. I don't know
0: why. Because it's a yogurt shop, I think, too. Because, like, I mean, I know we have them now. But, like, I can't believe it's yogurt or what, you know, like, it's And unsolved.
1: yeah. Well, again, y'all tell us what y'all think. Thank y'all so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and review on all the different platforms. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get
0: scared. scared.